back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here. Thankfully, I've survived the, the last craziness of the week of Hurricane Ian in Florida. Uh, hearts go out to those uh, who were you know, really affected and devastated um, over the storm from the last week. Thankfully, a little bit south of where I am at, so I ended up quite fortunate. Um, but like I said, heart goes out, lots of thoughts and prayers. To everyone down there, um, Tom, how are we doing across the pond? Yeah, really good. Like, I'd just like to echo, obviously, what you said there. Like, a lot of thoughts for you guys over there. Obviously, it was good to to hear from you kind of late over the weekend to say that you were safe. And, you know, it was always good to keep in touch. But, obviously, we know other people have been less fortunate. But over here, all good. Um, you, know, you know, really positive. Um, back to the golf, I guess. Like, the Dunhill links was... I felt like we had a few chances, right? And then we just didn't. And they just never really materialized. And I don't know where the fault lies. Like, I felt like Rasmus Hogard had a chance. And then he's kind of missed a part. I think it was in like 12, like a short part. And that was his race run. Um, as much as Fox was brilliant off a, you know, a tall meniscus with, with someone else's clubs and, and things like that, like, it, he was brilliant. It definitely felt like, one, we know about Richard Mansell. We don't need to say too much. Um, on that, but you know, even like Rory McIlroy and Alex Noren, both you'd expect to have actually put a little bit more pressure on Fox. Um, I know Rory obviously came with a late charge as he so often does, but um, it felt like he still had better chances than he actually displayed in the end. Yeah, I didn't get to see much besides leaderboards, um, but yeah, it's just, I guess, from the way the results that it is one that's pretty forgetful in my head in that sense, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I would take positives out of it if your golfers or the ones that you're interested in or maybe were on played well. But for many with the wave splits, with the way Friday and Saturday worked out, like I think it's one that you can throw away or not concern yourself with as much from form perspective when we hop back on it. It's going to be evident in some of the selections this week. Yeah, like for me, like I was very much in the same boat. Like if if you want to use it to further your case, great. But especially with like, so you've had Wentworth, the French Open and Dunhill Links, Italian Open as well, like all very prestigious events, all tough events for different reasons. And and I feel like now we're getting to a course where we can get some sort of specialists back in. There's going to be a buzzword sort of later on in, in the show that we'll probably use a couple of times, or I definitely will. Like that there's certain players that can kind of perform on these types of golf courses that I don't necessarily think suit Links golf. I don't think necessarily suit the, the tough tests of France don't necessarily suit like anyone can miss the cut of Wentworth. So like, I, I think, yes, you don't want someone that's been losing 10 strokes off the tee every week, but like if, if someone's been playing okay and, and, you know, has some good course form here or has shown signs on these sort of golf courses, then I think you can definitely go back to the, the well with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am total agreement with you there. Um, and yeah, it's always fun to kind of dig through the, the tea leaves and maybe find a thing or two um, versus just kind of, specific form. Um, we're going to, I don't want to say we're going to skip the top because you can't really, it's, it's unavoidable to discuss here. We have John Rahm um, coming back over playing um, and looking to tie. I think it's tie now, right? Seve, uh, Seve's record of most open day Espana victories. Um, you know, he's come over here and purely dominated. And then he's also had a chance to win, looked like he was going to run away with things in the last um, event here and ended yeah. up, finishing 17th after kind of a blow up on Saturday. Um, so he's, you know, plus 300 plus 275 plus 240 now is the the longest at DraftKings Sportsbook actually. Um, and then Fleetwood plus 850. Um, so I think 
I don't think we need to discuss whether or not, you know, where we're taking or what it's going to be with them. We're, we're betting with places. We know there's a very, very good chance that these two, specifically Rom, is going to find himself in the mix. Um, and you're going to have to really take it to the wire to, to beat one of these uh, two incredible talents. But we, we dig in a deeper down the board uh, for us. Now, Tom, I opened up, you know, Monday morning to a message from you uh, saying how much the question isn't who we're going to bet. It is how much is Thriston Lawrence going to win this tournament by? So tell us why he's your standalone favorite bet of the week. Yeah, so for me, like, I think actually, and even by myself, right, I think that Thriston Lawrence's year has actually been overlooked a little bit. Like, I think, and I think a lot of that has come down to the fact that the Joburg Open win was in a shortened event. And I think people can kind of pass it off as a little bit of a fluke, right? Then he kind of follows that up with the, uh, the Amoga European Masters win over Matt Wallace in a playoff. Both of those kind of have some relevance. And then the buzzword that we're going to use here is altitude. Now, we'll have to preface this a little bit that like the altitude here in Spain is nowhere near what they kind of face in South Africa and even what they face at uh, um, Sassier. But it, there, there is a pattern of, of guys that have played well in those kind of conditions, um, doing well here. And when you look at the fact that Charles Schwartz and Richard Sterney have both won on this golf course, there is a sort of South African contingent, right? And then you look at the fact that Wilco Nineable was sixth last year, Justin Harding and Zana de Lombard are both seventh in 2019. And there's, there's a pattern emerging right now. Yes, that could be coincidental. They were in decent form at the time. They were, you know, they just like the golf course. You know, you, you can, I think, overpower it and have a good touch around the greens, which is certainly what I'm hoping Thriston Lawrence basically does. And that's his approach. Hasn't played here yet, but. A win, a second, a third, and three more top tens in 2022. Like that is an incredible season. And yes, he missed the cut at the Dunhill Links, but as we've kind of just run through, not too concerned about that. Um, certainly don't expect him to play that well in Scotland generally. And then he was inside the top eight for both strokes can approach and teaser green in France. So I think for someone that can hit it long and tidy up around the greens. Um, and, and just while we were like before we were coming on, like just some extra stats. Like he's seventh. Um, on tour in terms of birdies per round. Uh, when you look at the fact that he's actually had 370 rounds, the people above him, uh, George Coates, 287 rounds, Roy McIlroy, 154 rounds, Ryan Fox, 295. Um, no, no one's had the, the same amount of rounds and, and kind of made the birdie averages that he has, uh, which kind of suggests that he's, you know, the best on tour already in terms of birdie average. Eagles, not so much, but not again, still not far away. And then par five, par five performance again inside the top 10, and those above him, nowhere near the, the same amount of rounds. So to me, like he's just the best profile for that kind of scoring conditions. I think we're going to get that at this golf course. Um, we haven't got the evidence that he can play well here, but I see no reason why where he's played well. I think Kranz and the Joburg Open both come into, into play here. Yeah, I'm with you on Tristan Lawrence this week. And, you know, I, a lot of your reasoning, um, you know, was was built into kind of that thoughts and, I think a three-week stretch of the of the year that gets underlooked was the the Irish Open, the Scottish Open, and the Open Championship. And I would say, looking back on that, Tristan Lawrence was probably in the top three or four players on the DP World Tour who played that very very well. Another one was Dean Burmeester. What did Dean Burmeester do last week? Finished fourth on the PGA Tour after he flew through Corn Ferry Tour finals. What did Thriston Lawrence do coming out of that? He won an event two weeks later, three weeks later. Like, you know, some of those guys during that same stretch of golf played the two PGA Tour events stateside and showed out well. You know, like that three-week stretch of golf was like realistically to me the 
best time that these guys got to, to weigh or we got to see them against the talent that represents there. And those, you know, if, if it's not consistent, that's okay. It builds into this number here. It's a very good number for somebody we know can win. So I'm with you um, on Thriston Lawrence. I'm, I'm going to go back to the well um, here for me um, to a golfer that, if, again, if I'm throwing out last week, um, uh, Yannick Paul did not show up like I wanted him to. He did have some of those similar um, linksy-ish finishes, well or well like strong finishes on the Challenge Tour. Um, but I just think profiling aside, you know, like like Yannick himself, I, I truly trust in his talent, um, and I trust that he is one of the better players on tour. He's priced correctly. Thirty-seven to one is the longest you know you can find him here stateside. But again. You know, he comes off that eighth at the Kazoo Open, which he had played extremely well, had a good Corn Ferry Tour championship, um, had a strong Barracuda and Barbasol, top 20s both there. I just think Yannick, like Thriston, has, that year has been slept on overall. And, and what's obviously separating is he did not get a win um, yet. But I, I just think so highly of, of, of Yannick Paul that I just want to keep betting him. Yeah, so I had a sort of discussion with, with Brad. Uh, Bradley talked about this on, on the podcast yesterday. Both Yannick Paul and Marcus Hellekilder um he likes and and really you're just back in the upside of those golfers i know jeff kind of says that um on, on pat's show right that like sometimes you're just betting a number because you know they can win um and i truly believe both of those guys you know more, more so yannick paul at the moment i think he's more consistent um but heather killed has definitely shown some stuff as well i think i think for me like the most impressive thing about yannick is that like he's done it you know crossing both tours right like he's been to the corn yep. ferry he's, he's been in monday qualifiers he's been you know, trying to trying to sort of cement status on both sides, which when we hear from any sort of golfer, you know, one of the biggest challenges is keeping your card um, on both sides, let alone trying to chase one on each side. So um, really impressive what he's done. Is is the number fair? Um, I, I don't know what price you can make it, right? Like, I, I think it's one of those ones where, like, it, it doesn't scream value to me, but by the same token, like, if you believe in Yannick Paul, like you very evidently do, and, and, and I do as well, like, I think, I think we both... Even when we were backing him at the start of the season as a prospect, he was only like 80 to one because he was kind of a decent challenge to victory. Now he's proven it, proven it, proven it again. Um, I don't know how you can make him much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's an odd one. And, and I do think to your point, you know, you mentioned with Thurston Lawrence and we're seeing South African success here. You know, I do love looking at kind of that lo- location form. And yeah, Paul is one of the better players in Spain. He had a top 10 earlier at the Catalonia Championship. Now, I'm not just saying there's corollaries from the course's perspective, because this one's just definitely a little bit different. But yeah. top 10 earlier in Spain this year. Thurston Lawrence also has had strong events uh, kind of in Spain, too. So I think that's just a more um, feather in the cap when it talks through um, kind of these guys here. I've got another selection. Yeah, I got another one that I want to go into. And this is kind of where I struggled a little bit because I don't necessarily think there is a perfect angle of the course. You know, Club de Campavia, in 2022 or 2021, the last time we saw it, um, had a different leaderboard than it was in the past. It was very dominated by distance guys, it felt like. I mean, Rafa isn't built uh, on distance, but I mean, Wilco's up there, you know, um, you know, Besseling, a really good driver is, is there. Um, you know, we see, I mean, I said Wilco, um, the one though, I guess, Adri Arnas, you know, two, yeah. two a second and a fourth place finish. Like it, it has an ability if you can couple with a short game and, and get yourself, cause you've got to score in the par fives. We saw that success. You mentioned that with Thriston, one golfer that did that, that, uh, is coming in with some trending form, playing well in the downhill links, kind of a feather of the cap to at least somebody who did perform there, 
is Grant Forrest. Grant Forrest, a winner on tour last year. Um, I don't find him to be someone I would consider consistent, um, you know, in the manner. But, like, Forrest, I think, has, again, upside. I struggle with this number. I'm betting him because I I do feel like there are spots where we've seen him pop multiple times that this can really correlate to. He's done it here in the past. I, I like him. I like him a lot, but the number is, is troubling for me. I'm going to still stick with it at 40 to one, but like I really debated him versus, I mean, if you wanted to go deeper, is his game that much different than Heli Kilda? Is his game that much different than Will Conina Burst? Is his game, if you want to go shorter, why wouldn't you just bet Minwoo Lee at 30 to one? Because Minwoo shows the flashes way ahead of that, but zero consistency there either. Forrest kind of felt that middle ground where I just kind of plant a flag and, and go with him for the week. And I actually think Forrest is a little, bit, a little bit more consistent than we maybe give him credit for as well. Like third at the Kazoo Classic, uh, 41st at the Hero Open, missed the cut um, at the Kazoo Open, fine, doesn't really matter. Uh, 23rd at the Czech Masters, but it was actually seventh after the rounds one and two. Um, and then obviously he had to kind of push it on that third day because it was shortened, uh, finished 23rd. Then he finishes 62nd in Himalayan, but again, the Open was 66, so a nice start. 23rd at the BMW, he was 16th after round two, couldn't really get it going in the final day. Misses the cut um, at the Italian Open, then he comes back at France, 7th at the halfway stage, 10th last week at Dunhill Links. Like, no, there's not four rounds of consistency, but basically every event that he's entering at the moment, he is there. Um, and then you top in the fact that he's obviously finished third here on this golf course in the past. Like, there's there's reason to believe that Grant Forrest can win now that we've seen him do it. Um prototypically maybe not the guy that we would sort of focus on in terms of stats wise i think that's kind of to your point that you know the consistency is not there there's nothing to really build it off but just an inner belief that someone can elevate their game and win when there's so many question marks i mean if, if john rahm and tommy philippe don't turn up and to be honest if john rahm doesn't turn up i'm not too worried about tommy philippe to be honest um, i know that could be a bit of a hot take come sunday but like eight to one i'm just never i was never even in his prime i wasn't going to touch tommy fleetwood and he's pretty far away from that at the moment um so then, really, you had kind of Eddie Pepper, I thought was a decent price, um, but couldn't get there. So is there much ahead of Grant Forrest that you'd be worried about? Probably not. No, I like Eddie a lot, too. I think Eddie arguably has, like, the best form of anybody on the DP World Tour still right now. Like, I truly believe that. I just didn't love what is necessary from a, a competing short game, you know, like, and I, I just, 28s was right. I, I mean, there's nothing... If those two top two don't show up, like the prices will, will be really tough, you know, to swallow in this event. But exactly. uh, at least we get a little bit of a cushion in some of these guys. But we we jump. We go ahead, go ahead. I think with Pepper, it was it was more like if he was going to get it done, he'd have got it done by now. Like he's had Wentworth, he's had the Dunhill Links, he's had uh, the kind of Kazoo events and things like that. Like he's a, a real kind of UK and Ireland kind of guy and. If he was going to win, I think he'd have done that. Um, so at 28 to 1, I thought it'd be a hard to swallow. Yeah. And and with that, we jump deeper into odds. Um, I'll pass to you. Uh, I think we're still seeing 70s uh, on this golfer, uh, uh, a friend of ours, I would say, because of <laughs> yeah. a, a late season hit last year. Uh, yes. JB Hansen is a guy. I was going to bring the background up again, but I thought that was a bit on the nose <laughs> when, he hasn't, when he hasn't won yet. Um, but look, he's been awful this season like there is there is just no getting away from that i think that when he finally got that win on the joburg at the joburg open then followed up in dubai last year like we really thought that jb hansen was going to kick on and and be the player that we thought he was going to be after graduating from the challenge tour in 2018 uh, it just hasn't happened and 
I don't really know the reason. I'm not going to pretend that I do know why. I mean, it's, it's based on the fact that his ball striking hasn't been there and that's what he relies on, but I don't know why he struggled. Like, there's, It'll probably come out at the end of the season that he had some underlying things going on or, or whatever. Like, we, we just don't know half the time, apart from the big guys, really. So um, what I do like, he has had two top 14 place finishes in his last four starts, which is really promising when he'd only had one um, kind of top 10 all season when he finished fifth at the Stein City Championship. Stein City Championship in, um, you know, in South Africa, where there's, again, a little bit of that kind of um, altitude. Then you look at the fact that he, one of his best finishes over the last four starts was at Crown Cercier, uh, top 14 finishing there. That maybe this is just kind of his gig at the moment. And fourth and 24th place finishes uh, at this golf course kind of back that up as well. So um, the ball striking numbers haven't been where I wanted them to be to, to really get excited about Jamie Hansen. But... Again, like the upside of him is a win, and he's done it twice over the last two years, and I believe he can do it again. Yeah, always excited for, for JB at a birdie fest. Um, and I think he can be quite interesting. So you you um, you know mentioned Thurston Lawrence kind of being your guy um, when you when you open the week. I am incredibly shocked that we're still getting Sammy Valamaki at these prices. I know we keep going back to wacky, and I kind of jumped off that bandwagon on our show a few weeks ago when I was pulled back into some of the corollary courses you mentioned on the show, like uh, which, which event would that have been for Sammy? So that would have been the open day France kazoo, right? Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Where you pulled in some corollaries after we saw him Peter out in the second round at Wentworth, not play well at the Italian open. Okay. So you see that happening in the Italian open. That second round was much better. Ends up finishing 20th at the kazoo um, that week. And then he ends up um, at the Alfred Dunhill, a sneaky 22nd place finish last week. Now, what I find incredibly interesting here, um, when I kind of pull into to some of the information, if, if you can see Data Golf did a good job of kind of separating out um, what they deemed the wave splits last week, because there were significant wave splits, right? We're, we're aware of kind of how that shook out. Um, and if you look into it, so Sammy, of the guys that teed up last week, so... Um, he, even though he finished 22nd, his wave split difference, they ended up grading him of the golfers that are in the field this week, tied for third in regards to his performance last week. Now that's, a, that's just guys. There's not everybody who played last week. This, but yeah. for example, if I do compare him to Grant Forrest, who Grant Forrest, um, you know, ended up finishing 10th last week, they have Valamaki's performance um, a full stroke better over the event, or I guess, yeah, I, I guess not a full stroke, um, a 10th of a stroke, but either way, a 22nd place finish is getting graded better than, than a 10th place finish due to those wave splits for Valamaki. So it's incredibly eye-opening one to me. And then two for him, when you look at the past 20 rounds of form, you grade it, it's literally, you know, you zoom out, you had those missed cuts. We loved him playing the time before when, when he was, you know, kind of lighting it up at the kazoo, doing well at the Scottish, finishing fourth at the BMW, the Irish Open played well. Like, Sammy has had a really good stretch of golf. They grade his form fourth in the field. Rom, Fleetwood, Pepperell, and then Sammy Valamaki over the last 20 rounds. And we're getting him at 70 to 1. And where does Sammy excel? He does well off the tee. And he's a great putter. I think it's a perfect combination for Sammy overall here this event. So I am salivating at these prices for him at 70 to one. And then, I mean, he hasn't been the worst in staying when he's teed up, nothing um, inside the top 10, but a few top 25s for him. So I, I just think everything is there for Valamaki. I do not want to quit it. 
it did have a top 10 um, at Valderrama. So, oh, you're right. Yeah, in, yeah so, that was longer than so, that time. Look at that. Whilst it was uh, a different like, a different test altogether, right? But, um, yeah, the nuances of the greens, you know, I don't necessarily know that the green stuff is exactly the same, but just the area, how you know, hot it is, whatever. I think with Valamaki, the, the interesting thing with him is I still don't know quite, I still don't think we quite know what he is. Like, I, yeah. And what I mean by that is, like, he's kind of turned his hands to different places all the time. Um, you know, he's, he's one in the Mars, played well in Wales. You could argue that he just likes playing in, in windy conditions and things like that. But, you know, we've seen him play well at Wentworth. We've seen him play well at Valderrama. We've seen him play well at the BMW International. Like, there, there's genuine upside on someone when you don't know too much about them. And I think it's been... One, he's not been around as that long. Like he seems like he's been around for ages, but hasn't really. Um, and then when you think about the fact that he's lost kind of a year or whatever through um, bad form or you know injuries or anything like that, like I think there's still plenty of things to figure out about Valamaki. So whilst I didn't really get there, um, I can I can certainly see why. I, I don't have any negatives to say about Valamaki. Yeah, I'm really really excited for him. Um, I would say this next golf. For- we are both um, interested in as well seems to be um, kind of trending in a lot of the same directions you mentioned Asteristan Lawrence um, I guess the South African connection there I know kind of he's he's Ben Coley's headline to this week and I could absolutely see the reasonings why we can get I love I love betting Daniel Van Tonder um, I think he's he's got awesome upside for what we know his background is so kind of go in um, if you can for for just kind of DVT's reasoning here and what we've seen out of him leading in. Yeah, so for me, like Van Tonda and Yannick Paul were certainties I knew that you'd pick. Um, and that's not to say that you're predictable. And it's just that I know that what you were going to sort of focus on this week, because what most people focus on and how they grade out for you. Um, but to, to kind of add to it, he was sixth in strokes gain approach last week. Um, and he actually led the field in tee to green as well. Now, to your point, like, you've got to factor in ways, you've got to factor in courses on certain days, et cetera. But, and those strokes gains were weird a little bit, right? Because yeah. like some people had four rounds and some people had one and two and three. It was, it was a little odd. So grain of salt, agree. Yeah, I, I think it, I think you have to worry about it a little bit. Uh, I've used it as supporting reasons rather than the reasons to back people. But ultimately, yeah. if I like Thriston Lawrence and I like, uh, you know, look at the kind of on our knee neighbor, like Daniel Van Sonder's the cheaper you know, option to that and maybe not quite as good is, is maybe the, the fair assessment, but whether it's not as good or just not as consistent, I don't know. Like I think there's, you know, incredible upside for Daniel Van Sonder um, and someone that I think can definitely win. So it it's not someone I'm incredibly confident about, but it's someone I think offers a really good value. And, you know, if we're talking about people that play well in, in South Africa, then, you know, he's been excellent. Eight wins there uh, since 2014. Yeah, and, yep. and, and he three, hadn't three had playoff losses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, I think the cheaper version of those guys and that skill set. Again, I'm trying not to pigeonhole myself in the skill set. It's kind of being a little bit price sensitive too, and finding some of those guys that are popping in form. But yeah, I just he's somebody who can who can show up and, and win out of nowhere and has done that um, and competed in Kenya at elevation too, right? I mean, yeah. that was um, I guess one in Kenya, right? Um, so. Yeah, a uh, big fan of Van Tonder. I've got one more. I think you've got two. I think you got one more in this range before your long shot time you wanted to touch on. Yeah, so Marcel Seam for me, I thought, was was someone that I thought interesting more than excited about. I mean, I find it difficult to get too excited about Marcel Seam when he's been around for 
X amount of years, but he, he seems to have a little bit of a renaissance. I think we kind of talked about him sort of midway through the season. Um, you look at it, he's made his last four cuts. He ranks 8th, 18th, 8th and 29th for T's Green, 9th, 21st, 15th and 20th in approach in those events. So the last four cuts he's made, sorry, he's missed one in between. But Osman that leaves him like top seven in both categories over the last few weeks. He's won the Dunhill Championship at House and Golf Clubs in Johannesburg. He's finished second at Crown Cercier. And he's got multiple top tens in Spain, which you'd expect from someone that's been on tour for as long as he has and been to the levels he's had. He's played here twice, 2005 and 2019, and finished 43rd and 63rd, which on the face of it sounds pretty disappointing, right? But back in 2005, he was 14th for the halfway stage. Um, rounds of 70-71 kind of took it out of him, which you think... 1771 dropping down from 15th to 43rd seems pretty dramatic, right? So that that kind of suggests to me that there was a bit more to be offered. Um, 2019, third after day one, sixth at the halfway stage, and I think it I seem to remember there being a little bit of competitive rust at the time. Like it's been a while since he'd been in in that kind of heat of the battle. Obviously, John Rahm is is winning that week, um, so just maybe just get caught up in the moment, which is strange for someone of, of a veteran presence, but. Just the fact that he's striking the ball so well, we know what he's about, um, and the fact that he's kind of played well here in 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 flashes. I just thought Marcel Sim was interesting. I don't, I don't love the price. Like I think there's there's better golfers. Obviously, Van Tonda was the same price at one point. Uh, a guy that you're going to come on to in a sec is is similar in that respect. But I thought he was he was worth mentioning at the very least. Yeah, yeah. I always enjoy rooting for for Marcel Sim as well. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I'll round out my last selection here for me. And it's a golfer I would say we've been fond of um, throughout our time on our show here just because of the flashes he shows. Um, and Daniel Gavins, for me, being triple digits is is kind of eye-popping because we, we saw him win, obviously, last year. Um, coming off of – the, I mean, he was a challenge tour player at the time, right? He had – come in at 21st, 8th, ninth in his last three Challenge Tour events, wins the ISPS Honda, uh, and then just kind of has a lackluster year, except with multiple times popping um, kind of in just random events with really, really good irons. And when those do happen, like his three best iron performances came in a span of five weeks last year. Six at the Alfred Dunhill last year and this year. Um, and then he ended up with that 11th um, at Valderrama last year. So we talk about kind of a Spanish connection. And then at the end of the year, he had really good irons. And again, he's come out this year. He had a top six at Kenya Open, took elevation there. He popped then again in Spain with his best irons of the season with a T13 there. And he had been relatively dull for a good amount of time. But what's interesting now, again, to me is we see him with trending irons. So we look at his last few events. So even though he missed the cut at the Kazoo Open, he was still gaining irons. Two weeks prior to that, Wentworth made the cut. Strong irons against that field. Now, again, we have to take it with a grain of salt. Last week, really, really good irons. And worst case, we had to go traditional stats, was top five in greens and regulation. So I think there's just a lot with Daniel Gavins when I look at trends from any somebody who has popped and then won when he's popped i like that and spanish connection elevation some success i just think he he can do that at a good good number here i like 110 to one yeah so you obviously already mentioned the fact that he was 11th in valderrama and he was actually 46th the time before that as well but was 15th for the 54 hole stage you've already spoken about the 13th at the catalonia championship uh last time he was in spain but he was fourth at the halfway stage there as well my only reservation with gavin's is like 
and it's it's what makes him appealing and it's what makes him hard to bet in the sense that um, he's appealing because he's always a relatively decent number because he's so difficult to predict. But by the same token, um, he's a decent number because he could easily just miss the cut. And it's yeah. it's just one of those ones that like he doesn't necessarily like we 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 sort of say with these players like as soon as they can find a putter they'll contend. And it doesn't seem to be with Gavin's like he can just all of a sudden lose his ball striking when his passing comes back. So that the the only concern with him. But you're getting you know the triple digit prices because of that um and yeah. ultimately his skill set matches up really well to the golf course and we know again the upside is a win we know the form is good uh, so i have no problems with daniel kevin's at all perfect um i want to send a reminder for all of our audio listeners for for podcasters you can find us um, on any of the audio formats um daily fantasy sports picks and bets the the mix um on mayo media network again rate review subscribe goes a long way for us leave a comment youtube you can like us on there on the mayo media network page it really goes a long way to supporting us um, and continue as we close out the dp world tour season tom you got one last selection for us um can you give it to us? And it's a little Spanish uh, fire, right? Yeah, it's Alejandro Canizares. And I think to me, like, you almost want the Spaniard here, right? Like the first four home in 2019 were all Spanish. Last year, Rafael Correa Rivero beats Adrián Alves. I feel like it would be a disservice to not have a Spaniard on the card. Now, of course, you look at Adrián Alves. Like I thought he was a relatively decent bet to look at, um, even with the kind of shortened prices. Are we looking... You should be looking in the 40, 50 to run range for, for players in that. But ultimately, I kind of landed on Canizares. Now, again, take it a little bit of a pinch of salt, but first in strokes can approach last week at 16th tee to green. Even if they're like a little bit wacky, like he obviously hit them decent enough to kind of perform up there, right? Then you look at the fact that, again, he's another one like JB Hansen that's just been pretty poor all season. But when you look at where he's posted just one top 10 this season, uh, Cran Sercier, he finished seventh. And that was somewhere that he's also finished fourth and ninth in the past. He's got a third place finish at the Nedbank. Uh, I think it was in South Africa. Um, and I, just all of that, the fact that he elevates his game like massively uh, in Spain, like a, he's a three-time runner-up in his own country. Um, he's got a 17th place finish on his golf course. Everything kind of lines up. So to me, for Canizares to be a, a massive long shot. Now, if I said that it's hard to predict what Daniel Gavins will do off a good week. It's definitely difficult to predict what Alejandro Canizera is going to do off any given week. Um, I seem to remember a, there was a little bit of traction about him at Wentworth because he struck the ball well and had some decent form there. But like, I would proceed with caution in terms of he could kill DraftKings lineup. He could, you know, he could certainly fail. With, but at 175 to one, 200 to one, he was sort of earlier on. I think that's a great price for a long shot. Yeah. I think it's a fun one too. Uh, we definitely had a stretch there. There's one golfer um, I want to mention, and it's only because he just got into the field. Um, I didn't see any prices, but I am very curious where they price up the other Paul brother. I didn't see um, anything on Jeremy Paul. He just got into the field, um, so when he does get priced up, if he is, I don't know. He could be as he could be eighty to one. He could be two hundred to one. A player that had success in the Corn Ferry Tour, I'm very interested in. If you get a price around Canizares like that. I, I'll be intrigued to see um, where they end up uh, booking him at this week. But and I think um, you would get a decent enough price from Jeremy Paul, not because he doesn't deserve to be a good price, but because because Yannick Paul has done it over here recently. But like Jeremy's just been on the corn for it all right. So there's just yeah. there's unknowns about him. But when you look at 14th in Utah, third at the Ascendant, seventh at the Advent Health Championship, fifth at the Simmons Bait Championship, 16th in Knoxville, like. We've seen so many times how 
well corn fairy tour form can translate into these events he's played on the challenge tour in the past like he knows how to play in europe so um whilst i think obviously there's a you know there's a massive price difference for a reason in terms of the two brothers um i, I think the upside is i mean how much did how much better is yannick paul to jeremy paul i don't know the answer to that at the moment yeah I'll be intrigued if we get some deeper numbers and like Paul Barnyan, I mean, he was as bad as it could have probably had a year on the PGA tour and he came yeah. out and contended um, in, in France. So um, with that though, Tom, I'll have you lead us or, or I guess close us with your card to start and then I'll follow you. Yeah. So for me, Tristan Lawrence, I think it's still some 40 to one about JB Hansen, 70 to one Daniel Van Tonder with you. Is, is he still a hundred to one sky over there? Is 80s over here now. 80 for, for Daniel Van Tonder. Um, there is a little bit interesting in Marcel Seam, but not quite sure what to do there yet. Uh, and Alejandro Canazares for a long shot, 175 to 200 to 1 for me. Awesome. I am on Yannick Paul, 37 to 1, Grant Forrest, 40 to 1, Tristan Lawrence, 40 to 1, Sammy Wacky Valamaki, 70 <laughs> to 1, Danny Van Tonder, 80 to 1, and Daniel Gavins, 110 to 1. So, puts a bow on us for the week. Next week, um, ah, man. I love Valderrama. Valderrama is just such a fun event. Um, and I mean, some of these guys, this is a little bit of a warm up. We talk about off the tee and short game next week, gear up because that is what is necessary. So hopefully some life out of these guys or some bigger numbers on guys um, that we like, but always love Valderrama. Yeah, no, looking forward to that one. Um, I think the fact that we got through that whole podcast about calling Tristan Lawrence Thirsty Lawrence is, is pretty impressive considering uh, Pat's uh, tendency to call him that. But, um, you know, yes. look, it's, it's, it's a great week. I actually I enjoy these kind of events. Like, I feel like we've had those those higher level events, and I'm kind of rambling a bit here, the, the strong field events with some really high quality names in it that you want to back an outsider because of the value, but the, the win equity probably isn't there. Like, you've got two standouts in John Rahm and Tommy Fleetwood, but I would you know not necessarily be too worried about Tommy Fleetwood and and John Rahm can't just win every time I know he does sort of suggest he can but we've seen when, when he had a chance to you know win here not just last year and and you know blew it so uh just the way he's been playing his attitude towards some things this year I, I you know I can't go anywhere near here two to one or three to one yeah I, hopefully it gives us you know that the opportunity and the price and we take advantage of it so um but i would say thank you again to everybody for your support we appreciate you and let's hit a couple spanish winners back-to-back -back winners in spain for us that'll be a go a long way to close out the year so again Absolutely. thank you all we appreciate you and we'll catch you at valderrama